Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Happiness Journey with Dr. Dan podcast, where every journey is worth living. My name is Dr. Dan, and I'm your host for today's episode. I am a cognitive behavior psychotherapist specializing in anger management issues, both court-appointed and private, marriage counseling, dissociative disorders, narcissistic personality disorders, depression, anxiety, dream analysis, and also provide life, business, and retirement coaching support. Now, if you need any assistance, reach out to DMV Counseling and Therapy Services at 301-325-1550, and our website is lifecoachdanamzalai.com. Today, I'm very excited to have on our podcast on season three, episode number three, a very special guest and author of Finding You, Steve Vincent. Now, just like every of my past episode, I will leave it up to the cast to properly introduce themselves as no one can do a better job. Steve, the floor is yours. Hey, Dr. Dan, thank you. Welcome. And hello, everyone. As you can hear, I, I talk a bit different to and a bit funny, maybe, to, to Dr. Dan. Uh, I, I'm Steve Vincent. I'm from Australia. I'm a poet, author, a spiritual teacher. And I'm a really normal guy who, I guess, has begun the search for themselves and to be happy in my own skin. And it's taken, gosh, it's taken a, almost a lifetime. And one of the things I, I really want to stress, Dr. Dan, and, and to you and to your listeners is um, I, I am just so normal. I have a wife. I have four children. I have a mortgage. I, I have all of those normal things, right? Um, you know, and often when you hear guests, they, they are some big, massive guru and do all these really cool things. Um, I'm just really boringly normal. <laughs> um, <So> boring, Steve. <laughs> you know, and the, the really, I, I guess to, in a nutshell, um, I've never really been happy or comfortable in my own skin, if I can put it that way. You know, on the, and, but, but the contrast is on the outward appearances, every, there's no problem, right? Everything is fine. Um, nice home, live near the beach, you know, happy family, big family, blah, 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 blah. I have a nice life um, that I've built from the different careers that I've had. But I, I got to a certain point and, and it was kind of like looking outside of myself was not making me happy. The new car, the nice house, the, the all of those things, it, I got to the stage where I started looking deeply within me because my old, my previous career was as a high school teacher, faculty head and, and vice principal. And, you know, that's a tough job. Um, and, you know, you're dealing with a, a lot of people, a lot of energies and all those sorts of things. And that, in a way that wore me out, but it also was a reflection of the fact that I just wasn't happy with who I was and where I was at. Um, and so I then spent 10 years as a, as a writer, a, a copywriter, a commercial copywriter, writing ads and sales letters and all those sorts of things. I still do um, a, a bit of that, um, you know, working with business owners and um, everything was fine. I was really, really good at it. I'm really, really successful, made a lot of money. I mean, I've traveled the world twice with my family and I take four kids on a, on a world around the world holiday, a cruise in the Caribbean and a transatlantic cruise and trips to Disney world and things like that in your part of the world in Florida. Um, you know, so th th there is, I guess there's a certain level of material success, but I wasn't always happy then. Um, and it wasn't until I actually was honest enough with myself that I started going within. And, and I guess one other thing happened too. Um, when COVID hit, I lost one of my biggest um, marketing clients. It was a six-figure hit just like that overnight. Now, you, 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 yeah, I mean, that, that 
it wasn't that I, I hadn't had client relationships in before, right? I mean, who doesn't in business, right? That That's just life and in business. And, but this one really hurt and um, it wasn't the money. And, and what I, what I actually came down to it, it, it hurt because I'd never actually failed at anything in my life. And I'd been driven, I'd been driven by almost a fear of failure and driven by this, this sense of having to be the trophy child and do the right thing. Um, and it was kind of like my whole life I'd been trying to achieve to live someone else's dream and, 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 and make, doing all those, having all those achievements, um, that never made me happy, you know? Um, and, and, and what actually happened for me is, is I kind of lived a very successful, but a very inauthentic life. And, and the, when COVID hit, it, um, it gave me time. And, and so I just sat down at the back of my place, which is lovely water views and so forth. And I just started to write um, some words, what I was feeling. And they started to rhyme. And um, I realized what I realized, this was really interesting. What I realized, I'd always written poetry, but I'd always shut that down, that creative side to myself. Like when I was a, a teenager, I went to an all boys school and, you know, that's, not very manly to be, you know, you're puffing your chest out in teenage, teenage, teenage boys do, um, you know, to write poetry, like you get yourself beat up if you admit it kind of thing. You know, I'm talking back in the eighties, right? That's my, that's my vintage in high school. Um, and, and I'd re- realized I'd always written poetry and, and I showed a couple of my poems from the, the when, um, when things slowed down with COVID and it, it was really raw and really, um, really personal and, and what I noticed when I, I showed it to a couple of people and I was really to be honest I was really nervous about doing that as well right because it was really for the first time ever I'd revealing something of myself and um, when I did people went wow I really feel that gosh that's really raw that's really authentic uh, and a lot of women who I showed it to said that I actually cried when I read it and it, it if it's just one or two people, it's, it could just be like your family being nice or your closest friend being nice, right? But but when I, I showed it to a wider audience, they, they just went, "Oh wow, you've got to you've got to write more," and, and then oh, you've got to publish this. And I, so I never set out to write a book of poetry. I never set out to to do anything. It was just me and my thoughts and my rawness and me looking within, trying to find, I guess, the reason for um, my discontent because I had no physical outward reason to be discontented with my life um you know and and i think a lot of i think a lot of us in the western world in particular we we, we all have that to a degree because we we have a generally a really nice life right outwardly yet inside where we're unhappy we're dying where we're dark whatever it might be and and i certainly faced um that in in you know covid was a wonderful wonderful gift to me um because it helped me to I guess, finally stop, finally go within, finally be honest with myself and not wear a mask that I showed the rest of the world. Finally, finally, it was the real me coming out, not the mask that I wanted to show the world. And, and one of the things I, I, I've done is, is I, I've delved deep into our shadow self and, and um, you know, it, each of us carries a shadow, the, the, the part of us that we show the world and the shadow, the shadow part of us. And the shadow part of us is all the stuff that we don't want to show the world that we've shoved back down in there, like our, our jealousies, our pettiness, our shame, our embarrassments, our fear, all of those sorts of things. And, 
being a trophy child as such, I never wanted to show that to anyone because showing that, you know, who wants to show that you're jealous and petty? Um, you know, I, I certainly didn't. It was confronting. And it was only that I started to look at that stuff and, um, and started to love those parts of me because if we ignore those parts because they, they, feel, they feel yucky, if we ignore those neg- what we call negative parts of ourselves, we're kind of denying part of who we are. And one of the things I've really delved into with, with looking at my shadow is learning to love all of me because one of the things I, I've, I've observed with myself is that when I, when I felt a negative emotion, say it was jealousy, I, I, would, I, would, I would feel it and feel it deeply because I'm an empath, right? And I didn't know I was an empath until a couple of years ago, right? And I was like, oh, okay, that explains a lot. <laughs> Uh, uh, right, that, that's why you're so weird and, and feeling and up and down and all those sorts of things. Um, and um, you know, so so that so just say it was jealousy. So what I my my life pattern would be, oh, I feel really bad about that, but I would deny that it was actually part of me because I didn't. When I put a smile on, no, everything's fine, it's all right. And that's a lifelong pattern, right? And instead of in the moment of being able to accept. That yes, I was jealous. Yes, I was petty. I'll give you an example. There's some. Um, I have one of the my favorite um, favorite cafes, and it's got a lot of books and crystals. It's a, a woo woo type shop, as we could call it, like like that. And um, I, I used to love going there. And I've my book is in a number of local stores, and I offered it to them to to carry, and they um they rejected it. And um, oh that that hurt. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I love you guys. Don't you guys love me back? And I had a friend um, not long after that say, well, let's go to this particular cafe um, and, you know, and, and grab a coffee. And I said, I don't go there anymore. And they said, what do you mean? And I said, well, they're not supporting me. They're not taking my book. So why should I go there and um, spend my money there and support them? And they went, gee, isn't that a little bit churlish and childish and petty? And I said, no, it's not a little bit churlish and childish and petty it's a hundred percent churlish childish and petty and i own that right they're my feelings i own that and i'm standing and I'm, I'm i'm loving those feelings of me because they are part of me i'll go for a coffee with you but i ain't going there and i've never been back there and and i am quite happy being petty churlish and childish about that and why should i spend money with them they're not going to support me you know absolutely and yeah you know so th- that's an example of the the the, I guess the old me, if I could put it like that, would have gone, yeah, let's go there. And I would have smiled at everyone, but I would have walked away from there feeling miserable and terrible because I denied that part of me. Yet I was, I was able to accept those childish, petty, churlish feelings of my, as, as part of me. Mm-hmm. And I was okay with that. And I was okay to, to take the mask off and just be raw and, and real with whatever came. And that was... That was one of the things I think that I've really learnt, Dr. Dan, over the years is that I've never actually had the courage to be honest about how I'm feeling in a moment. In a moment. And, and by suppressing all of that, that has not served me. Do you, you know? yourself as a highly sensitive person, Steve? Yeah, 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 totally. I, I'm, I'm, I'm highly sensitive. I'm a deep feeler, a deep thinker. Um, and... here's the the duality of that as well. Like all my life I'd suppress that because I saw it as weak, but I realize it's also my superpower because it allows me to connect with people, you know, and I I had, I denied that my whole life, you know, 
in your family members, like your parents, were they also highly sensitive people? I mean, do you think it goes from down from generation to generation in terms of uh, this kind of uh, situation? Or do you just kind of like, based on your own experience, you build this empathy, you build this kind of like um, highly sensitive uh, situation or person? Yeah, I, I wouldn't say that about all of my, about my parents and, and all of my siblings, maybe one or two of them. Um, that's a, yeah, it's a really tough question. I, 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 I'd probably just say I, I am what I am. I've just, just come to know that, you know, that's, that's actually who I am. And I'm finally becoming comfortable with that and with all of the, I guess, the ups and downs that come with that, you know, and, and, and not having to be on the pedestal, the trophy that never fails and, and not having to be the person that is so closed off and protected that I can't, I can't talk about things that are, are true about me and my vulnerabilities. And, you know, you, you would have heard Brene Brown's strength through vulnerability and all that sort of thing. Um, it's really true though. Like, and here's one of the things that I've learned. It, it takes so much energy to carry with us and, and hide those things we don't want the world to see that that's an awful lot of energy so no wonder we're so damn tired we're so stressed because we're, we're carrying all this stuff trying to be that which we're not you know and until we we put that stuff down and that energy down um you know we it, life is tough and and i and my life i had a good life but i was unhappy one part of me was unhappy Do you, you know and you feel, Steve, sorry to interrupt you. Do you think expressing yourself, your vulnerability, allowed you to be able to free your mind, to be able to free your, uh, your feelings of always keeping things from within and always being afraid to express yourself? Oh, totally. Totally. It was like, it was like the, the weight has lifted off my shoulders, right? It was like, it was kind of like, oh, finally, you know, I can, I can, be, I can be me. It's okay to be angry um you know I, I, i'll give you an example a lady that i was working with and doing some stuff with she she said to me one day she said you know you're really only happy when you're grumpy aren't you and i went no i'm not and then i went oh oh actually i am and it was the first time in my life i had admitted that i was a cranky bum you know <laughs> and i was a grumble bum and 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 here's the interesting thing when I acknowledged that when I accepted that, when I, I guess, loved that grumpiness as part of me, the grumpy energy just kind of dissipated, which, oh. which was a really, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, that's one of the things that I have I found, Dr. Dan, is that when, when I see something, when I openly acknowledge and even love being grumpy, mm -hmm. I'm grumpy less you know, less times. And like, I would almost wake up every day being grumpy, but I would deny being grumpy. Yeah. Hey, how are you this morning? Dan? Yeah. I'm really good. No, I'm miserable. No. And now if, if my wife asked me that, I'll say, no, I'm grumpy. Don't talk to me. Okay. You know? <laughs> um, You're being honest about it. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And I, I know I, that sounds so simple, but but, you know, and people, I think people also, we also lie to ourselves, you know, oh, I'm very honest about my feelings. Mm -hmm. Maybe you are with some of them. Maybe you are with the ones you're comfortable being honest about. I but, see. Hmm. But, but my guess is there are some of those that you still want to hide from the world. You still want to put a mask on. 
you know, to, to get by as a protection mechanism. So how do you select which emotions you want to divulge to the world and which one you want to keep in? Because obviously, if we express every inner emotion, Steve, we're going to be constantly complaining about everything in our lives, about everything that is going wrong, or even the things that are going right, we forget to appreciate the good things because we're so used to the to better things, that is. So when when do you say to yourself, okay, you know what? I've expressed myself too much. I need to kind of like let go of things, not, not just talk everything out and not just blur out everything that I feel at every single second. So when do you say to yourself, that's okay to release, but that's, that needs to be held inside? Yeah, good question. Um, I would say that um, don't for a minute think I've got all this figured out. Um, I'm a work in progress. Um, sometimes I get it 100% right. Other times I, I still cringe at, oh, did I really say that? Like, <laughs> um, you know, and I, and I guess I get, get get back to, well, I guess at least I was true to myself in that moment. You know, it's, it's a, it, I, and I think that's where, um, where the power of discernment comes in, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and I, I guess too, I'm, I'm developing a very libertarian kind of um, streak to me and I'm really big about personal sovereignty. And, you know, if you can't stand up to Auntie Doris, nasty Auntie Doris at Christmas, um, you know, when the family's together, maybe you're not really being sovereign and true to yourself. You know, I mean, Auntie Doris, who's ruled the roost in the family, who everyone's scared of, everyone's got one of those, right? It's not just my family. (laughs) But actually, that's, that's the thing, right? Families are really good for us to show us all of those, our mirrors and, and our shadow parts, right? If, if we're triggered by family members, that means there's something within us, um, you know, that is that is triggering. So I, I love, I think it's Dr. John Demartini. He has this, this little tool that says the seer, the seeing, and the seen are one and the same. So if you're seeing something negative in someone else, there's a really good chance that's actually in you. But what we do, we deny that it's in our shadow, in our, that part of ourself, and we project it out on someone else. You know, so if you say you're at, at Christmas, I'll give you an example. Say, you, you know, Christmas is a good, um, good time of year to, because that's when families get together and things, um, you know, can unwind pretty quickly. Um, you know, just say you, you, your sister-in-law, Tracy, let's call her Tracy if you like. Um, you know, gosh, I hate Tracy because she's so selfish. She never lifts a finger. She never brings any food, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, and oh, gosh, I just can't stand Tracy, right? Everyone's got a Tracy in their, in their family, right? And, and you know what? This year, poor old Auntie Betty, she nearly fell over. Tracy didn't even get off her backside to help her. You know, she could have fallen and Tracy just sat there. She's so selfish. And I, I, when, when I'm feeling that about myself, I remember that tool of the seer, the seeing, and the scene are one and the same. So if I'm projecting selfishness out onto someone else, where is the selfishness in me? See, it's so easy to deny that negative feeling in ourselves and then project it out onto someone else, right? That's that's our survival mechanism. Yet I would encourage listeners, if, if someone is triggering you like that, where is that in you? Because there's a good chance that they're just mirroring back what you don't want to see in yourself. Is that, isn't that similar to hypocrisy? Yeah, it is. So yeah, well, it's tight. Yeah. yeah, I mean, then then at this at this point, because it's hard to pinpoint someone else's problem to say, you know, you're you're a selfish person. But then from within, we know that we are also selfish. 
So this is kind of like anyone who would get this kind of like notice, you'll Tracy will come back to you and say, you know what, Steve, you are also selfish. Yeah. And then when no, the- I'm not. I'm a very generous person. No, I'm not. No. How dare you say that about me, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's what our, our ego does to protect us, right? Yeah. right? Whereas if we're seeing stuff like that in someone else, and there's a good chance it's in us. We're just denying that it's there, you know, and because that's that that duality of our human existence, right? You know, we don't have night without day. We don't have light without dark. Right. So we don't have generosity without selfishness. We are all of those things. And yet we deny that we're selfish. It's easier to project that out onto someone else. I see. Now, when it comes to um, your level of expression, when, when it comes to your family members or people that are close to you, do you feel that you are more open, Steve, than what you would be with strangers? Uh, let's say you, you go to a network event, you don't know someone, but yet they say something that you feel that it was condescending or insulting. Would you express yourself equivalently that you would be with your family? Or because this is a person that you don't know, you would limit the way that you express yourself? It's a yeah, really interesting question. Um... I would, and again, it's it's really hard to give a, a blanket answer when there's so many possible scenarios of that. I, in terms of, um, in terms of being honest and things like that, you also must have your personal boundaries, right? That that's really important. If someone oversteps them, then you know you you have a right to put your boundaries there. But if if it's um if someone says something like that, I, I might just say, oh, is where is that in you? What? What do you mean? you know or um you know why do you say that you know um you know is is that is that something in you that you see in me you know is that it's there are depending on who it is in the scenario um or i might even just be a little bit more provocative and say okay well how does that benefit you you know you know what you're saying is a load of load of rubbish blah 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 okay so how does that benefit you well it doesn't benefit me well you sure is it making you think well maybe but i don't agree with you though well, how does that benefit you? You know, so there, there are, you know, and, and, and I guess the thing too, it's not, it's not about trying to be clever or be a smart aleck, you know, or a smart ass as, you know, as we say, like it's, and, and try to outthink and outmaneuver someone else. It's about, about being true to you and standing in your power. If someone does do something like that, then um, if, I've, if I've got a mask on and I'm not being true to me, one of two things will happen. I'll either withdraw or I'll fire up, right? Yeah. It's, it's often one end of the stick like that. Whereas if you're centered and in your power, your response is quite different. And that's what I find. If people are, are not being true to who they are, we get those, one of those two extremes, that extreme withdrawal, slink and run away, or the extreme aggression of, how dare you, rah, 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 rah. Um, you know, whereas if you're in, in your center and in your power and in your sovereignty, because you are, you know, honest with yourself and you're okay with yourself, then, um, gee, how does that benefit you, Dr. Dan? Um, you know, or you know, what makes you say that, Dr. Dan? Um, there's a real difference between those two. I'm not running away and I'm not being aggressive. I'm just standing in my power and responding. That's, that's interesting, uh, Steve. Now, um, for those who actually are going through, um, if we could uh, focus on this uh, subject, those who are going through imposter syndrome, okay? Um, those yeah. who actually are doing the teaching, but deep inside they say, I am not true to myself. I, I'm here, but am I really genuine? Am I really the right person to be able to teach others how to live their life when I don't even know how to do it myself? 
So do you feel that you went through some similar uh, situation as imposter syndrome and you felt that you didn't fulfill every aspect of your life and this is where you second guess yourself? Yeah, wow, that's a, that's a really interesting question. Um, I, here's where I think imposter, imposter syndrome comes in when you try to be perfect, when you, try, when you put on this mask of I've got this all together. Okay. Right. I, I'm. I, I'm. I, I say quite, and I guess it's the strength and vulnerability thing. I ain't got this all figured out. I'm a work in progress. I'm still. I still. You know. I. I'm really good at loving my shadows and and looking in different parts of myself, except when I'm not. You know. And um. And that's part of the. I guess the human experience and part of the depth of diving in mm-hmm. to really who we are. Um. You know, I, I and I'll give you a, a quick example. What what we often do with it, you know, and this is around the imposter syndrome, is that we often elevate people, right? We see someone someone speaking or, or whatever on stage, we go, oh, wow, they're so good. And then when we do that, we denigrate ourselves or put ourselves down, right? And um, that serves no one. You, you don't know what's going on for that other person. And the example I'll give you, when I was a copywriter, I worked for a number of big event promoters and and I saw a lot of the financial gurus, if you like, come and speak from stage and do their pitch and things like that. And it was real, you know, I I marveled at how good these people were. And I also got to see behind the scenes where, um, gee, a lot of them were only one bad pitch away from financial ruin, you know, like, um, so just be really, I guess, be really careful with elevating others because when you do, you put yourself down. And that's where a lot of that gap between elevating others and yourself down is where the imposter syndrome comes down. You try and be like the other person who you perceive as being perfect and having it all together. Um, you know, whereas um, have I got it all together? Some days I'm absolutely fantastic and I'm really good. Other days I'm not. <laughs> you know, and, then, and I guess when, when I... Um, when I work with people too, one of my favorite sayings is, you know, the gurus are always right, except when they're wrong. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, in your book, Finding You, Steve, um, yep. all the poems, are they an expression of what you've experienced in your past life? When we say past life, not when you died and we, we live, but more of your past thoughts of how you saw yourself, how you, you felt when you kept things inside is that an expression of your own? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a really interesting question. Yes and no. Um, the, the yes is there's a lot there that are really personal, um, you know, and, and probably the, the apology to my kids is a really emotional poem, which is about, gee, guys, I'm sorry I've messed you up. I, I didn't have this thing, life thing figured out um, until now, and it's kind of too late because you're 18 and 20, you know, up to 25, um, you know, the imprint period is, is, is a long gone kind of thing, you know? And so, so there are parts like that, but um, there's other, I guess like the first poem in the book, uh, a note from an old man, which tells the story of, um, gee, I wish I knew this stuff when I came to my life and then I wouldn't have made so many mistakes, you know? And then there's, there's others about, um, uh, you know, when guy talks and then one, and I also believe one of our, um, the reasons we are all very unhappy with life is we've disconnected from nature. We've disconnected from the source of all things. And so when Gaia talks is a poem about that humanity's disconnect from nature. And, and I, that's one thing I try and do. I live near the beach. So I try and get to the beach and walk every day. Again, 
I, I would love to tell oh, Dan, I get there every day. I go and meditate for two hours under the tree and love and, you know, I'm, it's all Zen, but uh, I, I'm, I'm a normal person and I, I probably get to the beach. It's five minutes drive away, but I get to the beach maybe three or four times a week, you know, um, um, I would love to go. In fact, if I could just live on the sand, I'd be really happy. But that's not realistic in life, right? So, um, <laughs> um, so it, it's both. It's 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 what. So when I when I've written a poem, there was something in me. But then I then I would look out. Is it and feel into? Is it also part of humanity? Um, and so it's it's both those things. It's my my story, but I think it's also humanity's story as well in terms of our disconnect from nature and, and, and the unhappiness that brings in you know, our disconnect from source. Um, yeah, so it's, it's both of those. I see. So where can people find your book, Steve? Yeah, sure. It's on Amazon and Booktopia. Um, and if you go to stevevincentonline.com, you'll find out more about me. Um, if you live in Australia, it's mostly probably an American podcast. It's finding you book.com.au. But if you are international, um, Amazon and Booktopia are the, the two big ones. There are a number of other online platforms that sell it, but they're the, the two, I guess, biggest and easiest ones to get it through. So amazon.com and booktopia.com. And stevevincentonline.com is where you can find out more information about me and all of my mistakes and mess ups and, and all of my humanity, right? My darkness and my light. Because we're all like that. We, we all have those things. It's not, you know, th that's just the human experience. And until we, until we love those dark parts of ourselves, we're, we're kind of trapped in this falsehood of just light. Yeah, like a matrix. Yeah, yeah. Up. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Well, Steve, that is all the time that we have for today's episode. I really do appreciate you taking the time out of your busy, busy schedule to join us, especially living in the opposite side of the world in uh, Australia. <laughs> Uh, thank you for participating and inspiring our many listeners with your incredible story. Now, we hope that you have all enjoyed today's episode, and I'm very excited about the many upcoming guests that we have scheduled for season three of the Happiness Journey podcast filled with inspirational stories, just like the one that you listened to today. Now, here are a few concluding words of wisdom. As a single footstep will not make a path on earth, so a single thought will not make a pathway in your mind. To make a deep physical path, you need to walk again and again. To make a deep mental path, you must think over and over the kind of thought that you wish to dominate in your life. So what thought will you choose in your private life? The choice remains yours. So choose wisely. My name is Dr. Dan Emzelag, and you may all keep pursuing your amazing journey in life.